This episode is dedicated to Valley Geist Learn MMT, Jessica Lee, and Roger Foe for becoming our newest Southpaw supporters and helping to make this project possible. The global pandemic has hit our day jobs hard. This is now our full-time jobs. If you want great content and can afford a few extra bucks, consider becoming a Southpaw supporter on Patreon. If you want to show everyone else your solidarity, we now have an online store full of Southpaw swag. You can find links to both our store and our Patreon at southpawpod.com. When it comes to left media, we cannot exist without your support. This is Sam. This is Paul. And this is Fight Study. The beauty of MMA is in its variety. Variety is why MMA is improvisational, where it does feel like anything can happen. Techniques are countless, and fighters pull from a diversity of martial arts. Variety is why a seven-course meal can be exquisite. Variety is also why you can put together terrible food combinations at a buffet. MMA is both fine dining and a lousy buffet, depending on the fighter. That gap is what economists call inefficiency. In real estate, one house can go for a million dollars, and another home down the street can go for half that price. Why? Price discovery is inefficient. A multi-course meal at a fine dining establishment might have hundreds of ingredients. Then how is it different from a buffet? It's about what you do with those ingredients. A variety of martial arts creates mixed martial arts, but how well they fit together is what makes good mixed martial arts. The inefficiency is in discovering good mixed martial arts. This isn't domain specific to professional MMA. It can also apply to what happens in the gym. Wherever the ideology of MMA exists, this inefficiency exists. What is a buffet? It's a place where you get to dictate what you want to eat regardless of whether you know anything about food combinations. The default, then, is to allow your preferences to dictate your decisions rather than maximizing food combinations and serving size for the best experience. Similarly, assembling MMA styles often uses the same logic as picking entrees at a buffet. Then, how does an MMA buffet turn into good MMA? Two things, systems and goals. An excellent Italian meal might have a variety of plates, but rather than a random menu, it's all still Italian cuisine. Good MMA, similarly, requires a system. MMA is so open-ended, it almost means nothing. Just like saying, I'm opening a restaurant is open-ended. The logical follow-up question should be, what kind of restaurant? This same logic also applies to MMA. What kind of MMA are you doing? Steven Thompson's system is based on karate. The way he throws low kicks to even how he boxes and clinches is informed by his karate. He wrestles to get back to his feet and create distance. 
he doesn't have to guess what his defense, probing strikes, or power strikes are. It's all there in a system, like a chef. He knows his menu. This allows undivided attention for execution. Thompson is never in a situation where he's trying to decide on the spot whether he should block, flying knee, or spinning back fist. The disparate formlessness of these options indicates a lost fighter who doesn't know what they want. It's MMA roulette, which is part of what makes MMA so unpredictable. If karate were Thompson's MMA policy, kicking his opponent in the head would be his agenda. His policies push his agenda. Thompson can improvise, but in the same way an Italian chef can improvise, all within context. Not only does this save precious time, but it also maximizes quality. Then you're never lost. You always have a roadmap. If your system, for example, is Muay Thai, then you do Muay Thai in every situation. Not necessarily Muay Thai techniques, but Muay Thai principles. In Muay Thai, a push kick isn't just a push kick. It's part of an overall policy of defense and setups. Much in the same way, a boxing-oriented fighter like Calvin Cater uses his jab. These techniques don't appear randomly, but by design. A roadmap needs a destination. In Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, when you're the guard passer, your overall goal is to get to the other side of your opponent's legs into some version of the cross-side position where you're perpendicular to your opponent. That's the goal. Your system of guard passing is how you get to your goal. When first learning how to pass, nothing might work, and you might think you'll never get passing. It's not because you don't know any passes, you lack a system of passing. You know random passes, but you don't have a way to impose your passes. Do you pass the guard from your knees or from your feet? What grips do you use to pass? What's your entry pass to gauge your opponent's defense? Which direction do you try first? What moves can you chain from your initial entry? That's your system of passing, or lack thereof. That's why Damian Maya, Habib Nurmagomedov, and George St. Pierre have articles and YouTube videos breaking down their guard passing, because they have systems. Without a system, there's nothing to break down. Lacking a system means you're already deconstructed. There is no recipe to discover. A beginner can't be analyzed, but that doesn't mean they're good at fighting. In grappling, a goal might be to take your opponent down and win on points by passing the guard and maintaining position. Everyone knows Nurmagomedov's goal in an MMA fight. In fact, every UFC champion has an approach to winning. That's a good thing. If their MMA approach were a mystery, it's highly improbable that they would be champion their experience would be going into a vacuum. They're never building or perfecting. If you only ever watch UFC main events, you'll develop a particular bias. You're only used to watching the highest ranked fighters, nearly all of whom have clear goals and systems. Constantly seeing this uniformity might have you believe this is a hindrance. Seeing the top fighters is like seeing the struggles of the 1%. It doesn't represent the common struggle. If fans were to watch all the prelim fights of a UFC card, a whole regional show, or a day of typical sparring in an MMA gym, 
they would see the more common problem is picking things at random and being dominated by a plan. Where something as simple as a jab or push kick can stifle fighters who don't know what they want. If neither fighter has a system, then it's about physical attributes and or mistakes. In boxing, you only have to worry about boxing. Many of your decisions have already been made for you. You have a system. Now you need a goal and to tailor your boxing system to get you to your goal. MMA's open-endedness creates more inefficiencies than other combat sports. Whether boxing, Muay Thai, or karate, all the participants will have a system. It's whatever combat sport they're competing in. That's their system. You can be efficient if the parameters are clear. Knowing the constraints, you can develop a game theory. How two boxers engaged only in boxing can differ beyond physical attributes are in their process. Process is how you express your system. Referring back to the cooking analogy, you can have two Italian chefs, and though their cuisines are the same, their process can differ. Picture an Italian cooking show where everyone is given the same ingredients. From the dishes they make to the order of foods served are examples of process. Stephen Thompson's MMA karate process, then, is different from Leo Tomachita's. A process exists within a system. Therefore, in the context of pure boxing or wrestling, process should be the primary focus. However, since MMA is zoomed out, then MMA analysis must also zoom out and start with systems. In MMA, the parameters are indefinite. Therefore, having a fighter with a defined system and one without could only happen in MMA. Inefficiency in economic terms is the inability for everyone to get to the right consensus. Other sports are much more efficient than MMA because of fewer variables. For example, in basketball, all teams quickly got to the consensus that three-pointers are the best means of scoring points. There is only one way to win, whoever scores more. If basketball were an inefficient market, most teams would reach a consensus that two-pointers are the best way to score points, and only a few would see three is better than two. This is MMA. There is a dominant belief that the best style for MMA is no style, that training everything from as early as possible would make the best MMA fighter. The MMA superstructure, then, is the dominant belief, which people mistake for confirmed reality, that specializing early in generalization makes for the best MMA. Primary styles like boxing, wrestling, Muay Thai, or even a simple amalgam represent substructures. Fighters who challenge the superstructure with a bottom-up primary style approach, a substructure, have an advantage over the rest of the MMA diaspora. What that leads to are fighters who can speak MMA with a primary language, who can also pull words from other languages for strength and clarity. In contrast, the MMA superstructure will create fighters who struggle to put together nonsensical sentences using words from various languages that is impossible to understand or translate. Your opponent might not know what you're doing, but neither will you. You're gambling. Having a system doesn't mean fewer moves in a moveset than a formless fighter. A Japanese restaurant might have over 100 items in a menu, 
whereas a generic restaurant that serves quote-unquote everything might only have various pancakes, burgers, and bad pasta. When you have the world of martial arts to choose from, without a system, you might default to a few random moves. You might think you look like the Matrix when you're more like a generic build MMA fighter from a video game. On the other end of the spectrum, you can have the pizza dilemma. Pizzas, similar to MMA's openness, can have a nearly infinite number of toppings. A rookie might believe putting everything on a pizza might make the best pizza. You ever had pizza made by a child? It's a hot mess. A much better pizza has only a few toppings. The better the dough, sauce, and cheese, the fewer the toppings needed. A primary system has more functionality because you are the primary system. MMA, on the other hand, is a nebulous idea. You can be a quarterback, for instance, but you can't be football. Talk about being like water, like Anderson Silva did, but fight with a primary style, also like Anderson Silva did. You don't become the world's greatest chef by trying to learn all cooking styles all at once. Try to be like water, formless, and you'll end up Applebee's. MMA is distinct from all other sports because it also has numerous ways to win, which creates another layer of inefficiency. Winning is a desire, but how you plan to win, that's the goal. In a UFC prelim or an amateur MMA fight, you might see a fighter losing. Not severely, but clearly losing. You know they want to win, but you're not sure how they plan to win. Are they building towards something, or are they laying random bricks everywhere? What's the goal? Do they want to win by knockout, by ground and pound, by a finish, or by points? Or is it, I just want to win and I'll be happy with whatever the winds of destiny bring me? In the case of Nurmagomedov, it means winning by grounding his opponent and causing significant discomfort, which means winning on points, ground and pound, or submission. The submission, however, will still be a result of the pain caused on the ground. He will, quote-unquote, smash you. Nurmagomedov doesn't chase submissions, but sometimes they appear because of the smash. Even his striking is grappling-centric, as he leads with his hip, much like an entry for a hip toss, making his face furthest away from his opponent's punches. This grappling approach to boxing becomes the Philly shell. His opponents reach for his face, allowing the Magomedov to clinch and meet his opponent hip to hip. Even in boxing, the Philly shell naturally transitions to the clinch. Then from hip control, the Magomedov begins his chain wrestling. He's boxing through the lens of grappling. Everything he does is building toward his goal. The Magomedov's system and goal are aligned. Sometimes, you might find a fighter whose system is grappling, but their goal is to win by knockout. An example would be Daniel Cormier in his second fight with Stipe Miocic. Cormier had a defined map, but a different destination. When Miocic threw body shots, Cormier was lost. Systems and goals only work when they're aligned. Saint-Pierre used a jab to set up his blast double by keeping his opponents upright and forcing their hands up. He didn't rush his takedowns, 
but instead racked up points with his jabs, then secured the round with his takedown and control. Since his opponents feared the takedowns, the jabs landed. Since the jabs landed, his opponents were out of position to defend the takedown. His systems reinforced his goal. If the system is a roadmap, you should never be lost, and everything you do should push you to your destination. Davis and Figueredo recently defeated Joseph Benavidez for the UFC flyweight title by setting Benavidez up for his right hand. Conor McGregor did the same throughout his career with his left. A system and goal work together to paint opponents into a corner they cannot escape. An MMA buffet doesn't do that. Much like bad writing. It has loose ends, plot points with no payoff, and an overall aimlessness. In good fighting, much like in good storytelling, everything matters, everything belongs, everything makes sense, and everything drives the plot. If you watch enough MMA, I'm only articulating what you might have already understood. It's why there is actually a right way to lose. You might see a young fighter's stock rise after losing to a veteran. Why does this happen? Because they lost the right way. They were doing all the right things. A system and goal were in place. The prospect just lacked enough experience to execute. A prospect is a young fighter who already shows systems and goals. This is often referred to as championship qualities, which is why it's rarely seen in most of MMA. Losing the right way is about probabilities. In poker, going against probability is a cardinal sin. If you make a calculated play based on probabilities and lose, that's okay because if you play enough, that same call will be right more times than not. You lost the right way. You just got caught. Flukes happen, but the pros don't count on them. Watch every fight of even two MMA cards. Regardless of whether it's amateur, regional, Bellator, UFC, or even The Ultimate Fighter. And you'll see fighters who challenge the MMA superstructure with distinct styles win the majority of the time. Limitless decisions create confusion. And confused fighters tend to lose to opponents who know what to do to win. This is the chasm of MMA. Guessing versus knowing. Now that's the show. If you enjoyed this episode and find this type of independent media worthwhile, please consider supporting the show on Patreon. We have a lot more episodes like this one in the works, but need your financial support to keep the show running. Even a few dollars a month goes a long way. No one does what we do, and it's all being funded by you, the listener. In return for supporting us, you'll gain access to lots of bonus content along with our private Discord chat. Even if you can't support us, there's a lot of free bonus content there as well. We also have an online store if you want to show your Southpaw solidarity by wearing our swag. You can find all pertinent links at southpawpod.com. And if you can't afford to support the show and still want to help, please leave us a five-star review wherever you listen. This makes it easier for others to find us. And don't forget to share your favorite episodes or the podcast itself on social media. Tell your friends. Until next time, goodbye.